Father, this morning we just come to you for the gift of life, Lord. We just want to praise you, Father. Not that we are afraid of death. For us to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. But we are aware, Lord, it's not over for us on earth. We cannot definitely say like Paul, I have finished my race. We cannot definitely say like Peter, the Lord has shown me, it's time for me to put away this tent. We have to stand like John and continue worshipping you. Because greater revelation and greater purposes lie ahead of us. So we just thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. For every day is a day to prepare ourselves as a vessel to be used for the Father's purpose. For your word says, if you cleanse yourself, you'll be a vessel of honor in the Master's hand. But only the word of God can cleanse us. Only the Spirit of God can convict us. Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But it all begins with the word. So even today, we release the word. Your word will never come back void. Some may receive it, some may not receive it. But the word will always achieve the purpose for which it is being sent. For those who receive it, it will cleanse it. For those who don't receive it, it's a judgment upon themselves. It's not a judgment upon the word. For no one judges the word. For in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word is God. So we come now under the authority of the word of God. We surrender ourselves, spirit, soul, and body. And we say, Spirit of God, speak to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Yesterday we were looking at (coughs) Gideon. We saw the power of commission. I sent you. And the power of humility. Gideon is given a great commission. He didn't say, I was waiting for this. I knew I was the man handpicked by God. Why were you so late? He didn't say any of those things. Even Moses, when he first hears, he says, who am I that I should stand before the Pharaoh? Okay, so you see, they all had great beginnings. Good beginnings, and that's the key. And that only thing is that to continue that way is not an easy thing. Continue that way. Stay humble all our life. Stay humble. And most of them did not. When success came in, when God used, started using them mightily, then they started thinking, it is something got to do with me too. I am special. Okay, It's like the jokes we talk about. The people who greeted Jesus on Hosanna, that Sunday, Palm Sunday. And after some time, the donkey started thinking, they are all clout- clapping for me. <laughs> and all these robes that are being laid on the streets, is actually for me. He didn't realize he will always be a donkey. It is for the man who is riding on him. 
Okay, and this is what happens to us. Okay, they say power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. When success comes along, it becomes power. Okay, success. You don't have to do anything. You just have to be a YouTuber, and you have a million followers. Suddenly, you realize you have power over people, influence people. Okay, and influence is one of the biggest thing. We can teach some things, we can show something, but influence is very powerful. That's why the Bible says during the time of Joshua and the elders who were there with Joshua, they did not sin. They had rest. It was a power of, yeah, please shut it properly. It was the power of influence. Power of influence. Okay. Uh, just, yeah, somebody's coming. Okay, okay. Okay. So there is, we need to, we need to look at this. We need to be serious about this. Okay. When we hear. <coughs> so <coughs> we saw in Judges 6 1, this is just an endless cycle. This was an endless cycle in Israel's history. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord delivered them into the hand. It's a cycle that is going on. Okay. Which will ultimately lead to exile into the Babylonian captivity. Okay. You need to remember there are consequences of this. God did everything that is possible. But we go continuously in that. What does it become? We go into captivity. And then from captivity, what comes out will be a sanctified remnant. And you will see there is no idolatry anymore. And this time you will see, unlike, this is the fourth time Israel is going in. This is the fourth cycle, same thing. But this time God sent them an unnamed prophet. Okay, he sent an untamed. Who will tell them the reason? Okay, if you look at Judges 6, it's 8 to 10. He sent an unnamed prophet. Okay, uh, <coughs> yeah. The Lord sent a prophet, thus says the Lord God of Israel. He reminds them from where? And he reminds us also. Do you know where I picked you from? Do you know where you picked? I mean, unless we have an understanding of what sin is like in the eyes of God. I mean, honestly, we are cool about it because we do not see sin as God sees. Okay. I mean, there's no comparison. We don't have a human comparison. The worst you can talk about is that if somebody picked you from the gutter, that's where you were abandoned from, picked you from the gutter, washed you clean, and adopted you and gave you a life. You know? And God says, do you remember where I picked you up from? We do not see sin as God. That's why we are so casual about life. Very casual. This is what God says. Do you know where I picked you up from? Do you know what you were in Egypt? You know what you did in Egypt? You were serving Pharaoh. You were serving sin. And the, at the end of the day, what would, would have been, you would have died in your captivity and been just forgot. All your life would have served Pharaoh, built his cities, and died like that. That would have been my and your fate too. If we had, God had not touched us, you would have died in our sin and would have been in hell forever. And then when God picks us up, we forget. 
when he starts giving us a good life and then prosperity starts coming in, success starts coming in, we look to the left and to the right. We take our eyes off God. He says, I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of all, all who oppressed you, drove them out before you and gave you their land. And verse 10, and I also said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed me. He said, one thing I told you, do not fear their gods. Like I said, fear is listed first. Okay, in that sense of people who are thrown into everlasting fire, the first thing that is listed over there is fear. And we need to understand in the world and even in the church, most decisions are taken because of fear. Fear controls. Basically, it is fear of loss. If I don't do it, I will lose. That every decision is practically in the eyes, in the sight of the temporal and not at the eternal. And we, we are so scared to lose in the temporal, the fear of the temporal, that we start making decisions. That's, that's the gods of the Amorites. The gods of the Amorites, none of the pagan gods gives you any guarantee about the eternal. Nothing. But they promise you many things for the temporal. Of this life, temporary life. They don't promise you anything. Tell me one God who can give you a guarantee. I have gone before you. I have prepared a place for you. Where I am, I will take you. Guaranteed 100%. Nobody will give you. Not a single one of them. So all the gods of the Amorites, basically the pagan gods, is done with the temporal. And as long as our eyes are on the temporal, and we fear losing in the temporal, we will serve them. We will not obey the voice of our God. This is our issue. That's why Paul keeps on saying the things that we are living in are temporary. But what we do not see are eternal. Keep your eyes on things that are above. What does it mean? Think always. Whenever you make a decision, always ask this question. What will it cost me in eternity? Not what will cost me now. See, we ask the wrong question. The first question, what will cost me now? Not what will cost me in eternity. Okay. Fear. That's why fear is listed first in Revelation 21.8, if I'm right. But the cowardly, and I will say fearful, the cowardly, the fearful, but the cowardly. The first, look, it's the cowardly, fearful. The second is unbelieving, because it's fear which actually causes you to be unbelieving. Okay, so they served the Baals, because that's what Gideon is being told. Break down, break down what? The altar of Baal. If you go to Judges 10.10, 10, if you go to in actually uh, KJV, it's okay. The children of Israel cried out to the Lord saying, we have sinned against you because we have both forsaken our God and also served Baalim. You will see in NKJV it says Baals, not Baal, Baals. Doesn't mean much hair, but all the gods together, pagan gods together are grouped under Baalim. All the, any then existing, current, past, present, future, all of them are under Baalim, plural. Because the root word is Baal. Baalim represents all the false gods of this world. Okay, and what does Balim wants to do? 
Balim wants to do two things. First, take the worship, our worship from God. Two, take our trust from God. Okay. Ultimately, we have, you have heard it a thousand times. We were created to worship. If we don't worship the real God, we will end up worshiping something. Second, we were created to trust God alone. If we don't trust God, we'll end up trusting something else. And what is the purpose of Balim? Balim's job is to see that we don't trust God or worship God. And when disasters happen in our life, and the worldwide disaster that is happening, you can't be blind to it. Okay, You cannot be blind to it. Because God is actually tapping on our shoulders, trying to get our attention. Like I said, if something happens to your and my life, because of righteousness sake, natural response is rejoice. But we are not rejoicing because we know it is not for righteousness sake what we are going through, some of the things we go through. Okay, so in chapter 6, unlike the previous chapters where we had the same cycle, in chapter 6, God shows us the steps for deliverance. You don't see that in the other steps. Here you see much more. That's why Gideon is important. How a weak, fearful, desperate man becomes an overcomer. That's all we are. We are fearful, we are weak, we are desperate, so we go after Balaam's. And we do not realize we are gone after Balaam's. Okay? In Judges 6 and verse 25, Now it came to pass, the same night the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old. We looked at that. One of the reasons why he must have asked them to take the second bull of seven years old was because they were under seven years of oppression. Okay, seven years of oppression. So he take the seven-year-old bull. Okay, one year for each year of oppression. Okay. Tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. Cut down the wooden image that is beside it. Okay, so suddenly you realize this man who is crying out in his home, there is an altar to Baal. The wooden image that is beside it, if you go to KJV, it's interesting. It's not a wooden image, it's grove. It's grove, okay? Cut down the grove that is by it. A grove is basically, they have an image and they plant trees all around it and under every tree there is a small little thing. So talking about, we have so many images in our life, idols in our life. So many. Little, little, little one, big one, chota beam, mota beam, all beams are there. (laughs) And you leave the children alone on the t- computer, they will immediately go to Jotabim. That is why supervision. We give the gadget, the phone into their hands and think, okay, I am free. You are not free. One day you will cry out. Mm-hmm. So we have built altars to Baal and we have surrendered our life. Okay? that. Now God is saying the way to restoration. Like I said yesterday, he builds an altar, he he, he uh, builds an altar, calls it Jehovah Shalom. First you have peace with God and then God starts commanding him. Until you come to a point where you, God can command you, you're not going to break down altars. Okay. You will receive it as, ah, it's interesting. You may even take notes and go back and continue to worship the altars. 
those idols. You'll have to come to the point where God can tell you what to break down in your life. He doesn't tell Gideon any of these things in the beginning. Okay, so don't automatically expect that if I have an idol in my heart, God will reveal it to me. He will not. He will first see whether there is surrender in your heart. Then he will reveal the altars in your heart. Where there is no surrender, he's not going to reveal anything. Because you know what? Actually, he's being good. When there is no surrender, I'll tell you what actually happens in day-to-day life. When there is no surrender, if I were to point out somebody's mistake, they'll only get mad inside. They will not say anything because I'm the pastor, but they will resist inside. They will be offended. That's why Paul's, uh, Jesus says, blessed is the one who is not offended because of the word. You know who is that? It's somebody who is surrendered. Offense takes over. Offense takes over. So it is not good to correct people personally. Okay? Personally. It is good to correct people from the pulpit where let the Holy Spirit do his work. Because people will not take correction will not take correction. And what happens is, when you correct them and they don't take correction, what happens? The heart gets hardened, like Pharaoh. Every plague was a correction. He didn't take correction. Could have stopped at the first one. Egypt did not have to be ravaged like the way it was. He did not have to lose his firstborn. But you know what happened? He was offended. He was offended. So please understand, if God has to point out things and show things which you and I need to break down, we have to come to that point of surrender. Okay? Point of surrender. Then God starts. That's the difference between the salvation of Jesus Christ and the lordship of Jesus Christ. These are two different things. Salvation, he has saved us from the penalty of sin. The lordship saves me from the power of sin. These are two different things. Even though I am saved from the penalty of sin, okay, penalty of sin, let us say you got COVID. You got COVID. And after three days, you have you have been tested negative. Does that mean the effects of the sickness is not gone in your, gone in your body? No. You have been saved from the penalty of COVID. The power of COVID is still there. You see the weakness, you see the aches, you see you still are struggling and the doctor gives you a prescription and says, continue this. But I am well, I have been discharged. Yes, you escaped the penalty. You haven't escaped the power. And if you don't take care of yourself, what has happened? This thing will come back again. Come back again. So these are two different things. Jesus the Savior has taken the penalty of my sin. The Lordship of Jesus Christ takes away the power of sin on a day-to-day basis. Okay? So the main stumbling block still remains. What God has spoken over Gideon is still true. Mighty man of valor. As one man, you will destroy the Binyadites. But then God says, now that you are ready, you made an altar, I will tell you what to do. Go to your home. There is an altar there. Break down that altar. It's the altar of your father, but you are part of the household. It's the altar. Now be very careful. You don't do that today. Especially if you come from non-Christian homes, so don't try to do that today. This is not a literal thing. This is more, we have to understand spiritual, what are the spiritual altars. Yet if there are little altars, you just pray. You know, I heard about a pastor who actually came from a non-distinct background and he got saved, young one. When he was young, he got saved. And the house had one, this huge painted picture. 
before which everybody did obedience. And he refused to do it, but he stayed away. But he always prayed, Lord, I want to tear down this altar, but I cannot do it because they would create havoc in the house. But he prayed, Lord. You know, one day he said he woke up and found the whole thing had fallen down and broken into pieces. The altar destroyed itself. Okay, so you have to be wise about it. Don't take it literally and go do it and create havoc. That's not, that is a different thing in Gideon's case. In our case, understand what we are. <coughs> so the biggest stumbling block still remains. The altar of Baal remains over there. Okay, like I said, the fearful and the unbelieving. Okay, these are two spirits. The, the spirit of unbelief. How do Baals appear in our life? How do Baals, Baal means any God, anything you worship. How do Baals come? It's because we don't believe. The most dangerous thing in this world is the spirit of unbelief. It's the spirit of unbelief. Okay. What causes unbelief? What causes unbelief? You see, this is something which I say always. Practically, one thing you have to settle in your mind. I believe from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. Your belief is not selective. You know why we have idols in our life? Because we do not believe what God has said, the consequences of what happens. Why do we lie? Because we don't really believe God says liars will go to hell. You shall have no idols, but we like Indian idol, British idol, we spend, because whatever you're spending your time and resources and energy on is ultimately your idol. idol. And we don't believe the consequences of what is written. And that is why we pursue it. If you really believed, we will deal with an iron hand. That's, that is the issue. The major issue is how do Baals appear in life? How do Baals get its power? It is because of the power of unbelief in the believer. We are not talking about unbelievers. They are ignorant. They have more mercy from God than the believer because they are ignorant. They don't know. They don't know. It is the knowledgeable ones which are in trouble. Okay, And this... So we are very selective in our obedience. We obey certain things, we disobey everything. So we do not realize there are baals in our life. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you, in any of you, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. How do we depart from the living God? (laughs) How do we? Okay, simple. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. We memorize it and we forget it. Why? Because we don't believe. You know what we do? We depart from the living God. Did we put God actually first today? First thing today? Simple, practical. First thing today? Did we seek his righteousness? What is righteousness? A right standing with God. Lord, I want to have a right standing with God. Simple, as simple. They don't complicate it. Or did we seek the other things which he said would add? You know what? We don't believe. And if we don't believe, we are departing from the living God. Look at verse 19. So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. 
It does not say they could not enter in because they craved for flesh. It does not say they could not enter in because they want fish and meat and garlic and leeks. No, no. These were all the results of unbelief. All the results of unbelief. They could not enter because they did not believe. And the problem is unbelief creates all kinds of idols in our life. You look at how the first command, look at the first command, Exodus 20. Let's read from verses 1 to 6. God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. I'm the only God should not have any other gods before me. And then he said in verse 4, you shall not make for yourself a carved image of any likeness of anything that is in heaven. What is he talking about? If you have a god other than me, you will make an idol to him. If it's me alone, you will have no idols. But if you are, it's not me, you will have many idols. And then come to verse 5 and 6. We know this. Yeah. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. We start worshipping Okay, like that's that's what happens. We worship movie stars, we worship sports stars. These these are our icons. These are the people we follow. Okay, on Facebook we follow them. We Twitter we follow. We follow these people, and that's why it is called follow. <laughs> okay, follow. We worship them. We follow them. We are so. We want if any chance we want selfies with them. And what happens? For the I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Idolatry means you hate God. You hate God. It's so subtle, the devil deceives us so subtly. See, this is the first command God is giving them. This is the first command. The first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make. This is the first command. Okay, now this command that is given by God, look at where it finally ends, how blatantly they break it. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 8 and verses 8 to 10. Where it ends, why they go into captivity. Okay, this is he telling to Ezekiel in a vision, takes him to the temple in Jerusalem and says, son of man, dig into the wall. And when I dug into the wall, there was a door. So he said to me, go in and see the wicked abominations which they are doing there. So I went in and saw there every sort of creeping things, abominable beats, and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed all around the walls. Where is this? In the holy place. It's in the holy place. And who are doing it? The priests and the elders are chanting and worshipping there. Where did Exodus 20 begin? Where did Israel end? They have brought the idolatry into the holy place. That's our soul. Our soul is full of idols. It is the soul with which we connect with God or connect with the with the world. If I don't have a soul, I perceive nothing. But if I look into my soul, God is saying, "Do you do you see the state of your soul? Do you see the state of your soul? Hmm? Idolatry has entered into the holy place. Okay." <laughs> And how did it enter? Why did it enter? Why does it enter into a believer? Look at verse 12. <coughs> Same chapter, 8-12. Ezekiel 8-12. <coughs> Why did idolatry end? <coughs> then he said to me, Son of man, 
<coughs> Have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the room of his idols, for they say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. Two things. Unbelief. The Lord does not see us. Honestly, let me ask you this question. If there was a camera covering every inch of the space you live in, our lives would be different. You cannot shut it down. Every place. <laughs> Even in our toilet, we will sit very regally. Because the camera is watching. I need to be careful. <laughs> it will be so modest. So careful. That's what they're saying. The Lord does not see us. God does not see us. This is living in the awareness. What is, how do you break idolatry? Living in the awareness. The eyes of my God and the ears of my God are tuned to everything I see, how I live, what I watch, what I say. He is, he's watching. Okay. And they're saying, the Lord has not seen us. The Lord has forsaken the land. This is Baal. This is how Baal worship comes. Okay. Remember, this is exactly what Gideon said. Why has the Lord forsaken? Right? That's what Gideon also says, right? Why has the Lord forsaken? <clears throat> so, there is Balim. Many Baals. How does Balims come? God does not see my problem. And God has forsaken me. Or God does not see me or my problems. And when unbelief comes in, it starts giving power to other gods. Please understand this. Unbelief is a curse. God hates it. Faith is a blessing. Faith is basically believing, trusting God. It's a blessing. And God loves it. It pleases Him. That's why He says, My righteous shall live by faith. Unbelief, we don't understand the stages by which unbelief enters. The best description is given by Jeremiah in Jeremiah 17 and verses 1 to 4. Look at how. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. With a point of diamond is it engraved on the tablet of their heart. How is it written? With a pen of iron. If you look at its nib, it's a nib of diamond. And it is written on what? The tablets of their heart and on the horns of your altars. While the children remember the altars and their wooden images by the green trees on the high hills. Oh, my mountain in the field, I will give as plunder your wealth, all your treasures, your high places of sin within all your borders. And you, even yourself, shall let go of your heritage which I gave you. And I will cause you to serve your enemies in the land which you do not know. For you have kindled a fire in my anger which shall burn forever. The sin of unbelief is written like that with a pen of iron, with a nib of diamond, which will ultimately kindle the anger of the Lord. Okay? And we will ask, what is that sin? What is that sin? What is that sin? Read verse 5. This is a sin. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. The unbelieving heart 
that departs. Cursed is a man. Honestly, ask yourself every day when you wake up or you have a problem, you have a situation, who do you put, put your trust in? Cursed is that man. You know, because it is a heart of unbelief. It's a heart of unbelief. Cursed is the man. And we do not realize how much it is. I'm not saying that you should not seek man's self, but first God. And if you learn the art of going to God first, you will see you will rely on man lesser and lesser and lesser and lesser. You will not. And you will actually be a, a blessing instead of being a burden. Being a burden. That's our prayer. It should be a prayer. Lord, I want to be a blessing. Both are bees. But Lord, I want to be a blessing. I don't want to be a burden. How do I become a blessing? The only way I can become a blessing is that I do not lean on the arm of flesh. It's not even my own flesh. I go to God. So this is the heart of unbelief. When you start putting trust in Balims, whose heart departs from the Lord. And on verse 7, on the other hand, <coughs> blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And whose hope is in the Lord. And he trusts the Lord and he hope is in the Lord. Meaning he's willing to wait. Sometimes answers don't come. But I'm okay with it, Lord. 13 years, Joseph was willing to wait. No answer came. But I'm willing to wait because your promise is true. You said this would happen to me. I am willing to wait. I'm not trying to do any shortcuts. That is Balim. Balim offers you shortcuts. There are gods, you take a coconut, go break it. What are you breaking it for? A shortcut. He's <laughs> called by that. He gives you breakthroughs. No? Shortcuts. He gives you shortcuts. You can't do that with God. But if you put your trust, that is why hope is brought over there. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. And we ultimately know, even if I don't get it in this life, if I trust my God and stand firm, I will receive it in eternity. That guarantee is there. I'm not saying all prayers are answered in this life. By Hebrews chapter 11, the towards the end makes it very clear. Most of them did not receive it. But they will be perfected over there. And when we are caught in the temporal and we don't get the answers that we want, what do we do? We go to Balaam. We go to Balaam. <clears throat> but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. So God comes and speaks to us. Mighty man of valor. As one man he will deliver Israel from the Midianites. He offers a sacrifice, everything and all. And God says, okay now, before you be that man, there are steps to be taken. First, let me identify the first step. You have altars in your house. You have bars in your household. Get rid of that. You got idols in your heart. Okay. You've got idols in your heart. God will never, ever share his throne with an idol. He will not. He will share his throne with an overcomer who has overcome idolatry in his life. If you overcome as I overcame, you shall sit at my throne, with my throne, and reign with me. God has no issues of sharing his throne with people who have no idols in their heart. Absolutely surrender to God. But he will not share his throne with an idol. That is why the first step is identify the idols. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. Casting down arguments every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is where the balims are all are here. 
you hear from the pulpit let us put it across that way pulpit is the most neutral place from which god can speak you hear from the pulpit immediately arguments are going why should i do it that way first arguments are going okay second thing in a home husband tells something to the wife immediately arguments are going on parents tell the children immediately arguments are going on if you are afraid you may not open your mouth that is god is not looking at your mouth first he is looking in your mind first this is how arguments take place okay jesus never argued with his father never argued with his father why should i do it this way he never he never did loved his father heard from his father saw his father doing heard saw did it exactly no arguments casting down arguments and the temptation of the enemy the devil in the wilderness was to raise himself above what god his father had spoken to him and this is where the issue comes to the captivity against the knowledge of god bringing every thought because thoughts are not neutral they are either thoughts of belief trust and obedience or thoughts of unbelief and disobedience that's why talking about bringing it to the obedience of what captivity not to our obedience but to the obedience of christ in philippians 2 5 onwards we don't have to go that tells you exactly the obedience of christ the obedience of christ okay that is why i said today it's promotion of the self within the church and self is in opposition to god cursed is the man cursed are the preachers who are preaching self motivation in the church cursed is he and cursed are the people who receive those messages because cursed is the man who put trust in self and paul was a man who learned he says there is nothing good in me absolutely nothing good in me you know what i am going to trust i am going to trust the hand of god and i am willing to lose in the process you know and this is the key we need to understand there are steps to deliverance and god is telling us in first corinthians chapter 10 verse 14 therefore my beloved flee from idolatry what's the last words in 1 john right 21 i think it's chapter little children keep yourself from idols you see who is it written to little children you know what as long as you have idols you will never move from little children to young men because by the time you reach young men you have destroyed idolatry in your life you have overcome the evil one so the church is full of little children doesn't matter how old they are how do you know you have idols in your heart if you are when you are touched you are offended you are offended offense is from the idol You're not listening to the argument. Your flesh was touched. Curse is the man who trusts in his flesh. Your flesh was touched. Immediately you get offended. But you should have died to your flesh consecutively over a period of time from the day of your baptism, your flesh. Like I said, dead dogs don't bite. But you are alive and barking. So you didn't die in your baptism. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Why? Why? Go to First Corinthians chapter ten and verse twenty. Ten twenty. Rather that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You know what he's saying? Behind every idol, there is a demon. 
Behind every idol, there is a demon. When you worship an idol, you are empowering that demon. And we'll say, but I don't bend before idols. You do. We do. You know what? Behind every idea that is contrary to the word of God is a demon. There is power behind it. That's why we use that to resist communism, socialism, feminism, humanism. These are all demonic. I'm not saying it's all evil. There is good mixed with it. Otherwise, nobody will buy it. There's always good works with it. Socialism has lots of good works. Otherwise, who will take it? Communism has so lots of good works. Who will take it? Feminism has lots of good statements. Who will take it otherwise? But the problem is, the first step of salvation is repent from dead works. So behind every one of this ideology, remember there is a demon. And when that is touched, suddenly you are offended. That's how you identify. And what have we told? Don't fellowship with demons. And ultimately, your mind cannot be occupied with the word of God and an ideology. I told you, unlike Pastor Webb, when he came to me many years ago, I said, finish your PhD. You are doing it in robotics, no issue. I said, don't look at me. I'm doing a literature. And if I have to finish my PhD, I will have to compromise on my core beliefs because all the profs are atheists. They like me, they love me, they give me the key of their office, when they go abroad, they give me the house of their bungalow, everything they do. But when it comes to ideology, we are not able to agree. And when you have to write, if the paper has to pass through, it has to go through them. The problem is there is this thing within ideology. You believe some things with all your heart and you know it is true and you write a paper, they will give you E. Because it goes exactly opposite what they believe. So I had to choose. You want to finish your PhD? At the cost of compromise? Or do you want to let it go? Let it go. Let it go. Don't under, underestimate. The graven image the pagans worship has less power than the ideologies that have come from the West. It's demonic in origin. And we have we have paid through our nose to receive it in our universities and schools and colleges. Now down to kids' programs, these ideologies are going in. Right? Isn't it going? What do you mean? My child was small as... Uh, how old are you, honey? Ten, yeah. Younger, this thing, Noella. Whenever she needed an injection, the only way, otherwise she would, I mean, it was impossible to get her to have a shot, anything. Only thing was promise her a Barbie. Barbie. But today can you buy a Barbie? Because the Barbies are getting married to Barbies. And what is the other fellow's name? Bob, right? I don't know what his name, the male one. He's getting married to a male. You know, the ideology is going right into childhood. You thought this were all. No, it is not. Even Disney has gone. Old days, Disney was, it was cute. And they were not animations. Each frame was painted. And they had message, morals and all. Today, no. It's trans- transgender ideology, homosexual ideology. Everything is being sold right from kindergarten. Kindergarten. We have to protect. We have to decide which way am I going to go. That's why I tell up or tell to, tell to my mothers. Mothering is a full-time job now, unlike any day before. Old days, it was still okay because there was nothing to corrupt the mind of your children. Today, it's a 24-7 job. Because you let your child go away, you have no clue what she is or he is watching. Because wherever you go, there is this mobiles floating around in everybody's hand. Two mobiles, three mobiles. I have three. I don't give it to anybody. 
When, when Suri says, I said, no. No. And then when she's sitting in Andrew's room, I go there and I said, are you playing on his phone? Are you playing on his phone? And they are, they may be weak in everything else. They are so good on the mobile. They know how to open, they know how to search, they know how to hide you, they know it all. Children. They know it all. Don't look so innocent. The only time children are innocent is before their parents. You know it all. You know it all. And you do not realize there are powers behind this to take care of your mind. Because where the mind is, the body follows. The body follows. Where the mind is, the body follows. Why are there four people from GSS sitting over here today? You know why? Because it was probably decided last evening or this morning. So the mind reached here before your body came. Don't underestimate these things. There are powers. I don't want you to fellowship with demons. I don't want you to fellowship with demons. Because behind every idea, there are demonic entities. So these are the idols we raise up. And they stand testimony against us. And then what do we say? God has forsaken us. He doesn't care for us. Thank God he's so kind, he's so merciful, right? He doesn't forsake us. Actually the promise is, his name shall be Yeshua, for he shall deliver his people from the power of their sins, from their sins, and then his name shall be Emmanuel, God with us. He never forsakes us. So unbelief is the pen of iron with the point of diamond. And what do we have? This is from Jeremiah 17, okay? Look at verse 7, nine, sorry, 17. The same chapter and verse 9. Verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Okay. We don't realize the context in which it is written. You have to read verse 1 and then come down slowly and then God comes and says, you know why you, you go away from me? Because your heart and my heart, that's why you have to be born again. When you're born again, one of the primary things what God does is he gives you a new heart. We are the only set of people on earth who have two hearts. The old heart and the new heart. The old heart is deceitful above all things. And one of the primary struggles is to get up in the morning and kill the old heart. Drive a stake through that heart and allow the new one to function. Because the old heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Meaning, even I myself cannot know my heart. See, Pastor Vijay preached about the worst deception is self-deception. How do you get deceived yourself? Meaning, when you are deceived yourself, you don't know your own heart. And we all think we we know our own hearts. We don't know our own hearts. We can get so deceived that we don't even realize the state of our heart. And what does verse 10 says? God tests. Lord, I the Lord search the heart. I test the mind. He tests, does these two things. He searches our heart and tests our mind. Even to give every man according to his ways. Okay. This is why it is so important to allow the word of God and the spirit of God because it is not a small thing God is asking Gideon. Look at this man. Sitting and threshing wheat 
in the wine press. Midianites are coming. They have taken everything. He's trying to save his house. The angel of the Lord comes over there and he asking the Lord, why has all these things happened to us if God is with us? No, no, God has forsaken us. Well, right in his father's, in front of his house is Balim and the grove. Okay. Oh, nothing is happening to me. I studied so hard and I never passed. Well, 14 hours you're on YouTube. But nobody saw. Mm-hmm. Nobody saw. You abandon everything of God. <laughs> that is why people are so happy in India. Kids in some states because they're just getting promoted. The happiest man is in the old city. He, he, okay. From 1987 he has been trying to pass uh, class 10. 33 times, 32 times he failed. This year he passed because everybody got promoted. <laughs> We we don't look we we don't we c- complain. Why has this happened? Okay, we don't understand the balims in our heart. Okay, because this is one thing we all went through this. We believe we are coming out of it or have come out of it. This one thing which you the worst thing which I which I dislike is counseling couples. Everybody only talks about their problems and he's at fault, she's at fault, this and nobody de- you cannot deal with the balance. Oh, what cost this? What cost this? What cost this? But unless you break down Baal's altar, God will love you. God will probably give you basic minimum. He puts you on a basic minimum program, but you're not going to overcome. What will happen? You will go further into Balim, who will give you what you want. God tests. He's testing our hearts and our minds. Question is, if he tests our heart and our mind, can we say there are no Balims, no idols there? Look at Philippians chapter 3, 17 to 19. Again, very familiar for us. Brethren, join in following my example. What is he saying? Wow, what courage, right? What boldness. He says, follow me. If you don't understand theology too much, it's okay. Just, just imitate my lifestyle because I have no idols in my heart. I have one thing and one thing alone in my life. It is Christ and to please him. Beyond that, I have no other agenda. Join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. It is true. That's what it should be. A pattern. A good pattern. You know, we should have. I mean, blessed are those who have godly parents. Godly parents because there is a pattern. Like I always say, you know, about my dad. It was a good pattern. Very when, when he started going wrong, I don't know, it was God's grace alone, I think. I think it was just God's grace. I always think back and say, why didn't I drink? Why didn't I smoke? Why didn't I do these things? I always go, it was just your grace. Because I was not saved. We were three boys in the house. I was the youngest. My elder brother drinks. He smokes. Second brother drinks. I never touched it. Practically saying it other than once in my life. Never. And I wasn't even saved. It was just, but the other side of him, I chose. It was a godly example. Righteous man. Righteous man. Second, disciplined man. Spoke very little. When he was drunk, he spoke a lot. When he was sober, spoke very little. He read all the time. And he was 
absolutely this thing about strict about his work and his discipline you see when that famine comes uh, in israel sorry no when uh, david counts the fighting men the prophet comes and gives him three choices and he said let me fall in the hands of for me it was the other way lord never let me fall in the hands of my father the others were simpler if i got punished in my class i always used to, if i got punished in my class by a teacher some of the teachers had this vicarious pleasure of spanking the principal's son better because it is in his label i gave nicely to the principal's son my fear was not his beating that it should not reach my father's ears so i'll get a double portion when i reach home okay so he was a tough man he was a righteous man so you have an example you carry it in your life if you learn from it you learn from it okay you carry it in your life and i'm telling you if you look at so many things in my life got taught it through my father like when it comes to my food they will say i am finicky i'm not finicky i'm very simple you don't have to give me seven different things seven days you give me the same thing seven days which i am used to i'll eat it why because that's what my father was the only difference is my dinner and my father's dinner is he ate five four i eat five rotis still today lot of things are these bad things no they are good things did he make any difference for him no he died at 64 and just two days before he died he knew the lord now i am here and these things are reaping a harvest for me i'm looking forward lord you're giving years if you add i can serve you serve you i can serve you the body for the lord the lord for the body you have all this discipline and you live up to 80 90 100 and you never know god you never served god okay <laughs> what is the point at the end of it okay so that's what he is talking about but look at verse 19 because 18 and 19 look at it for many walk of whom i have told you often and i tell you even weeping that are the enemies of the cross of christ whose end is destruction and their god is the belly we are not talking about food alone it is the flesh what to eat what to drink what to wear and today we have to add what to watch because jesus time they did not watch anything so we have to add accordingly you touch any of these four things you will see immediate reaction immediate reaction i had so many males yesterday i am not tickled by these males oh your wife was looking so cute all the ladies want that outfit i'll create i'm preaching the word of god you're looking at her outfit the whole world is lost in my entire life of knowing the lord and watching preachers preach i have never ever thought i want that tie or that coat or anything it's not even in your mind your mind is focused on the word of god word of god you're not focused that's one of the reasons i say i hate this thing it was better when our voice was heard that we could identify with the preacher of the word of god a voice in the wilderness and we had no shape or form because this is a distraction it's a distraction okay a distraction and we need to be very very careful about it very very careful about it okay the god is their belly and the, whose glory is in their shame glory is in their shame and the mind is set on 
earthly things. Where have our minds be set on? Heavenly things. Heavenly things. Heavenly things. Every gift from above is good. And God gives us richly. Enjoy it. But our mind is not on any of these things. Any of these things. And let your mind be not on any of these things. It is what to eat. I grew up in Kerala. Poor women into bondage all their lifetime. My grandmother, all of them. First, they wake up at 5 in the morning. They go to bed by 10, 11 in the night. Whole day spent in the kitchen. Cooking, 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 cooking. They're not cooking for themselves. They're cooking for the men folk. Living to eat, eating to live. That is the motto. Every date has to be fresh. And you have to have 16 items on your table for each meal. That is the life there. Okay. Okay. And one portion of the year is separated for eating alone. We call it onam. But it's basically only eating. Shopping added. But it's only eating. It's an idol. It's an idol. What to wear? Let me ask, beloved saint sitting over here. Thank God it is online and nobody, but if it was church, isn't so much time wasted over that one question, finding the answer to that question, what to wear today? It is not what to wear, what to wear. Look at, no, it's like, I, when I go into the <laughs> countryside, I tell them, open the cupboard, one end to the other end, what do you say? I have nothing to wear. Well, Jesus says, if you have two coats, give it. My question is, who do you give it to today? Am I helping in his covetousness now? I'm not kidding. I've got a lot pile, because I don't buy my clothes, my clothes, and whole thing piled up to give it away. Then I'm saying, Lord, who do I give it to away? Who do I give it to away? Because I see my young boys. Their own jeans is tucked up over here. When it's even they put it down, it is rolled up here. All of them walking like Telugu heroes. Who are, what am I feeding into? So it's still sitting over there. I took it all and put. And there's so many of them, which I don't even wear. They are expensive ones because I get expensive stuff. I don't wear, I just put it away. But now the question is, who do I give it to? How can I give something to a fellow in his stomach is a God? I'm feeding that God in him. The God and the mind is set on earthly things. We don't realize how we are. The problem is not with these things. The problem is when our hearts are set on these things, there will be always a disconnect between us and God. We have to understand. Don't look at the people in the TV and get confused. There is gifts that operate and there is a constant hearing from God. These are two different things. A gift can operate in your life even after you are walking away from God. But hearing from God is the fundamental. And that is what is happening to Gideon. Gideon is now hearing from God. Hearing from God. And to hear from God, I need to destroy the idols in my heart. And idols can be very dangerous can be very dangerous. And gifts can, in a, in a man or a woman's life, can work against you because you've got an idol in your heart. That also God speaks. Ezekiel. 
any man or woman comes to me and asks you from, you don't have to go there. With an idol in your heart, I will answer you according to the idol. And then people think it is success. I told a person, it is not success. It is judgment. It's not success. I prayed for this. <coughs> I, and this man came and prophesied. And you know what? It is coming to pass. So did you look at the end result of it? You think it's success? I said it's not success. It is judgment. It is judgment. This judgment. You get a promotion. You get a green card. At the end of it, your family is destroyed. It was never success. It was judgment. Because God judged the idol in your heart. You need to understand these things. Idols have to be destroyed until we can clearly start hearing from God. Hearing from God. Because we want a true revival. We want true awakening. It's not going to happen. If the deliverer has to come, if the deliverer has to set us free from the oppression of the Midianites, there are steps to be followed. Why did Midian have power over you? The reason the Midianites have empowered, uh, have power over you is because you go to the Midianites camp. He also worships Balim. You come to the Israelite camp. He also worships Balim. The problem is you worship Balim and Yahweh. Yahweh has handed you over to teach you a lesson. That's why we have to be careful. He's not forsaken us. He's disciplining us, hoping that we will come back. So we need to understand, these are not jokes. These are serious. If victory has to be achieved, every false altar must be torn down. Let me tell you about victory. Sometimes the victory will not be seen on this side of life. You may see it only on that side of life. When Paul died in the eyes of the church, he died a failure. When Jesus died in the eyes of the world, he died a failure. When Moses died in the eyes of the world, he died a failure. Today, these are the most successful men ever. While you are living, nobody will say successful. Great job, man. No medals, no commendation, nothing. Only pity. If you are the son of man, come down. Hey, cursing. The others who are dying with him are cursing you. No commendation. And the people are weeping. Nobody sees him as a victor. But on the third day, he rose again. And the father raised him to the highest place, the greatest throne in heaven, all authority and power. Did they see it? Does the world accept it today? No. No. Okay. So please, that is why we cannot live our lives in this temporal because the temporal traps us. Because the temporal says, you know what? Before I die, please vindicate me. Vindicate me. Prove that I am. Please show the world I am a success. Please live before the world. I don't want to be a failure. God says, you are success for me. Is that okay? No, Lord. Please, Lord, show to the world I am successful. See, we don't want our vindication to come from God. We want our vindication to come from world. That's why we are all on social media. Vindication. And that is our trap. Keep your minds on things above. Not on things below. It, we don't want God to say, you're a good father. You're a good husband. You're a good brother. No, no. I want uh, people to say. People to say. Okay, people to say. 
people says we are so happy we are on cloud nine that day even though god says you are a failure it doesn't matter it doesn't matter so be very careful so when god asks gideon to do what god asked gideon to do was very risky very risky that's why he had to do it at night just not an easy thing he had to do it at night he did it at night why we know next day morning the people of the town who midianites no israelites came to kill him why why did you break down our idol why did you break down so in the same night he did it at night confronting the altars of baal in your life is a risky business it is risky gideon had to start with his own home before he could change israel you know where change begins it begins with me doesn't begin with others change always begins with me we are always trying to change somebody else without changing ourselves Change always begins with us. That is why Paul has changed completely. Therefore, he says, "Follow my example. <laughs> follow my example." He is not telling all of you need to change. He says, "No, just follow my example. Change begins with me." So, the altar that has to be broken down is Gideon's altar. It's his father's altar. It's his household altar. Balim is right there. Grove is right there. Asherah pole is right there. He says, "Begin there." You know, like I said in the beginning, God will never take second place in anyone's life. nor will he share his throne with idols like jeremiah said the heart is deceitful above all things who can know it i can know my heart only god can god can so he tests our heart and tests our mind every day he sends uncle flesh and auntie flesh to touch us there and when we are touched there we get offended and god says that's your heart you know why you're offended because there is a idol there idol there no idol there like i hear this whole narrative going and you have to listen to both sides there is truth on both sides when they talk about systematic racism and white supremacy and all you need to realize the fact there is a lot of truth on that side too but when they are blank in a blanket what you call it condemnation of the whites that is also false because we know it in india what we call it the brahmanical order over there they assume they assume because of 5000 years in india they have controlled the leverage of power they assume they are entitled to all lot of things and that is basically what happened in us the world is changing world is changing and the, the i'm saying most of the or i don't know all of them many of the white people are ignorant of this you know? let us see i have a mole here and i was born with it i have a mole here. i don't have it but imagine i have a mole no, it's part of me i don't i'm not even aware of it but somebody comes and says ah oh, you got a mole it doesn't bother me you know why because i was born with it so when they talk about white supremacy it's the same thing here it's everywhere it is you were you you're not even aware of it you're not even aware of it 
Because we are always used to that word, not difference, but difference. E. Wherever you went. Okay. So when black people say, I was stopped 20 times this year by a white cop and another white guy who is traveling is never stopped. You need to ask, what's the, what's the issue? But black people need to ask, why is black on black crime so high? So you are portraying the exactly opposite image. Your image you are portraying is more, your mentality is criminal. So both sides have to change. You know what? But you cannot speak any of these things where there are idols in your heart. There's a white idol and a black idol. You cannot touch either of these idols now. Everybody is sensitive. Everybody is sensitive. Nobody dares speak anything. But God comes and he touches you right on the water and says, you are the problem. And he says, change begins with you. Gideon, you want to deliver Israel? Yes, Lord. I'm with you. Yes, Lord. Okay, start. What do I do? Shall I go fight? No, no. First break the altars in your house. Altars. Break the altars. Okay. Remember the Philistines had learned it a very hard way when they took the ark of the Lord and put it along with Dagon. Every time they came, Dagon was on his face. Head gone, hands gone, everything gone. And now they didn't know what to do with it. <coughs> Any town they are trying to send the ark, the people of the town are saying, don't send it here, don't send it here. Everybody struck with tumors. You know why? Philistine tried to keep Yahweh and Baal. Together. You know what? Everybody afflicted in the body. Do you think it's not God's mercy that when his people do that, he leaves us alone? Otherwise, we should be all sitting with tumors. He, What he did to Philistines, he is not doing to us. Because we are children. For them it was judgment and punishment. For us it is discipline. That's why it's that the kindness of God we do not understand. If you want to know the kindness and the goodness of God, look at how God has judged Israel and how he has destroyed Gentile nations. And then we will realize we are not destroyed because of God's kindness. Yet we have done the same thing which they have done. And when they tried the same thing, God destroyed their gods and God destroyed them. But when we do the same thing, God is still gentle on us. And we complain, you have forsaken us. God says, no, I didn't forsake you. You forsook me. I did not forsake you. You know? Mm. Verse 26 and 27. Build an altar to the Lord. We'll look at verse 26 another day, maybe next week. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants. And did as the Lord had said him, but because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. It's interesting, right? There are two kinds of fear. (coughs) One is demonic. One is natural. And everybody has natural fear. Okay, natural fear. If you don't have natural fear, please go to the second floor and jump down. Okay. Abigail, are you fine? Can I give you an injection? No. <laughs> Even the fellow who pumps iron flinches when the needle comes. If he doesn't, <laughs> if you just think the needle will break. 
So there is a natural fear of these things. We are not talking about that. We are talking about demonic fear. Demonic fear is one thing. This is a natural fear. What is that? If I break this in the morning, they will come and kill me. It's a natural fear. Understand this thing about God. Okay? <coughs> None of us will be fearless in that sense without natural fear. Don't tell me when Paul was going to get his head cut off, he was fearless. No, he walked fearlessly. But there was fear of pain. Everybody has fear of pain. I believe when his head was going to cut off, he also cleansed his eyes and must have sung. We are just waiting for that moment. But there is fear. Okay, We are not talking about that. That is a natural fear. Okay. Understand one thing. It is an important thing to understand. When you find Gideon, he is fearful. When he breaks down <coughs> the altar, he is fearful. Finally, all the fleeces are answered. And then God says, you know what? If you are still afraid, go to the camp. Take your servant Pua with you. He is still fearful. Is he a fearful man? Yes. But do you know what God said when he had 32,000 men? Let all the fearful go. Lord, I don't understand this. This leader is a fearful man. Every time you see him fearful, after the 32,000, 22,000 have gone out of fear, he is still fearful. But you haven't rejected him while you rejected them. What's the reason? These are the questions you need to ask. Why didn't you reject this man who was fearful from the beginning until the victory started? It is only after hearing not God's word and God's signs, it is only after hearing what the Midianite spoke, he was full of courage. Understood that? He's a fearful man. Yet, when he blew the trumpet, 32,000, God says, all those are fearful, afraid, send them go. 22,000 went. But he didn't allow Gideon to go. He was probably as fearful as them. Ask these questions. Don't just read casually. Ask these questions. Why? Because of the challenge of fear is not emotions or feeling. Challenge of fear is not emotions or feeling. It is inaction. Let me tell you. You know gazelle, the deer? The gazelle, the deer? You know that deer? The deer is fast. It's, it's very difficult to catch it. Okay? It can outrun even the leopard and the cheetah. But the problem is when it is frozen by fear, that fellow takes him. The challenge of fear is inaction. That's the challenge. True courage means, genuine true courage means, in spite of your fear, you still obey God. You still obey God. You think Daniel's three friends were not afraid of the fire? But they still obeyed God. You think Daniel was not afraid of the lion's den? He knows the history. All the kings, are, enemies are put over there. Before they reach, they are gone. They were all afraid, but they refused to disobey God because they were afraid. That is the key. That is the key. That is how you move in spite of fear. You move from inaction to action. That is, that is Gideon. He's afraid. But if it's really you, will you wait here? Of course, I will wait here. He prepares. Fight. Oh, I will die. You will not die. I didn't come to kill you. Fear not. Okay. Then next day morning, what do you want me to do? The Lord says, take your father's second bull, seven years old, kill it, and then break down. I can't do that. I'm so scared. <laughs> he was afraid, yet he obeyed. Yet he obeyed. 
afraid, yet he obeyed. That is how you reconcile these things, because we all have a natural fear. But we still obey God. And that's why God picked him up. He picked a man who looks very fearful and made him the leader, while he rejected 22,000 who were fearful. Fearful. You know why he rejected them? Because there are a lot of fearful people who will not obey. And there are fearful people, in spite of the fears, will obey. God did not make a mistake when he picked his apostles. They were fearful men. But at one point, fam, John 9, 11 or 10, 11, he say, Thomas says, let us all go with him to Jerusalem and die. When Jesus is talking about going to Jerusalem, going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die, 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 die. You know what they finally said? Let us all go to Jerusalem and die with him. Were they afraid? Yes. Were they going, willing to go with him to Jerusalem? Yes. So he didn't make a mistake. They were all fearful men. Fearful men. It's 11.16, sorry, 11.16. Let us also go that we may die with him. You have to read statements like this and you realize not what. God did not pick them or you and me by mistake. It's a mistake. But the question is, yes, we are all afraid. We are all afraid. We are afraid of the pandemic. We are afraid of loss, losing our job, losing all this is there. But does that stop you from obeying God when it comes to the things you need, you need to obey? That's the key. Does that stop you? Otherwise, you know what? We will condemn the circle, but we'll walk in circles. That's what happened with children. The circle began in the wilderness. They wandered around in circles for 38 years. Because your altar ultimately will define your life. You cannot build an altar. If you look, if you, if you go to verse 26, you look at verse 26, we'll look at that next week. Build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in proper arrangement. Break down the altar of Baal and you have to rebuild a new, not rebuild, build a new altar. It has to be proper. There has to be order in that altar. That's why we are teaching you constantly on you. Because you are young, you may get to really know the Lord one day. But if we can put in order into your lives now, the altar is ready. All you need is the fire to come. All you need is the fire to come. Samuel's altar is ready. All he has to hear is the voice of God. The boy is ready because his mother has prepared the altar. There is order in his life. Here the problem is God cannot put the fire in because it is disorder. So we walk around like twinkle twinkle little star. Nobody is blazing like the sun. That is the issue. This is the issue. So God has his ways. God has his methods. You cannot overrule those things. People are talking about revival. People are talking about awakening. All these things happens. But if you look at any man through whom it has happened, you go back to their lives, you will see the discipline in their lives. But everything, they're sleeping, they're eating, they're dressing, their prayer life, their word life, order was from them, the fire of God came up in their life, and they stood before men, women, kings, lords, and they spoke the word without fear. But first, they had to have order. You cannot expect the holy fire of God to fall upon a disordered life. So there are fundamental lessons being taught over there because altar will define everything. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 12 verses 1 to 4. 
these are the statutes and the judgment which shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord your father is giving you to possess all the days that you live on the earth, meaning all the days of your life. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods. On the high mountains, on the hills, under every green tree. You shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. And that's what Paul is talking about. Casting down every thought, every imagination, every idea that opposes itself above the knowledge of God. If it is written, that is my God. And any idea that comes in contrary, I'm sorry, I cast it down, I burn it away, I destroy it completely. For them it was physical, for us it is spiritual. Break their sacred places. And as long as we don't do it, we are caught like Israel, Yahweh and Balim. Verse 13, same chapter. Verse 13. Take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see. Every place. How do people do Bible study? One side, watching a movie and then you have to see the way how casual they are about all these things. How casual. Every place they give their offering. They are not dedicated times. If God wasn't a father, not like us, such a kind, gracious father, you know what? I mean, honestly, I don't have one iota of the patience and this thing of God. Because if you look at the people who ask me for an appointment and the time they actually appear. Can God trust you two days at a row to come to him at the same time? You go to hospitals, you go to any of these places, you book your slot, you don't come at the same time. You go down, the next one is gone up. But you know what? We can keep God waiting. We offer our burn in every place that you see. And we ask ourselves, Lord, why am I struggling? Why am I struggling? Why am I struggling? Wrote on me 12, verse 31. You shall not worship the Lord your God in their ways, in that way. Don't worship God. That's what has happened in the church. The church has taken everything of the world. They brought Hollywood into the church. They made the church seeker friendly. In the process, God left. The church became hostile to God and friendly to the world. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. Don't worship God in their ways. You cannot. You cannot. That's our struggle. It's our struggle. Conflicts are because, you know what? Conflicts in lives, a person, a person's life is because God is not first. Conflicts in a marriage is because God is not first for both people. It's not enough to have God first in one person. Both. Conflicts in a family because God is not first. Conflict in a church, God is not first. It comes. Other ideas, either demonic entities have taken over the mind. So please understand, these are not things. <coughs> Turn with me. Let me give you the background so that we understand what we are fighting. Yesterday I had mails from all around the world asking for something just before the message, before the service started. You know, 
The ground to be set before certain things will happen is not easy. We need to be willing to set that ground. Second Chronicles chapter 28, 24 to 25. This is Ahaz. 24-25. Second Chronicles 28-24-25. Ahaz gathered the articles of the house of God, cut in pieces the articles of the house of God, shut up the doors of the house of God, and made for himself altars in every corner of Jerusalem. Do you know what this king of Judah did? Israel did? In every single city of Judah, he made high places to burn incense to other gods and provoked the anger of the Lord God of his fathers. What did he do? He gathered the articles of the house of God, cut in pieces the articles of the house of God, shut up the doors of the house of the Lord, and made for himself altars in every corner of Jerusalem. What did they do in the U.S. during the pandemic? They shut down the churches, opened the bars, opened the abortion clinics, they opened every other place and restricted the church a lot. They shut the house of God. And they call themselves a Christian nation. And you don't think that this pandemic is not a judgment? Provoke the anger of God. That churches had to go all the way to the Supreme Court to get a verdict to open their churches. When the abortion clinic is open, the bar is open, the gambling den is open, no social distancing, they can come. Restrictions are all on the church, including Bible study in their own homes, not more than three families. Who is the government to tell you this in a Christian nation when they are allowing everything else? The spirit of Ahaz. You think times have changed? Nothing has changed. Don't look at India. It's a pagan nation. We're looking at Christian nations. The police come into churches to stop the service in Britain, in Canada. While everything else is allowed. Brothels are allowed. Abortion clinics were called essential service. It is so essential for you to kill your baby. But it is not essential for you to worship. If these things don't cause us or righteous anger, there's something wrong with us. But don't, leave it alone. We have to ask ourselves. How have we dealt with the things of God? Second Chronicles 33, 4-7. This is the son of Hezekiah, righteous king, Manasseh. He also built altars where? In the house of the Lord, in which the Lord had said, I am Jerusalem, shall my name be forever. Now, God does not have a house of God. He has people. We are the temple of the living God. And do you know what we did? We built altars in the house of God to other gods. We worship sports. We worship movies. We worship shopping. We worship food. We worship drinks. We worship our studies. I'm not saying you shouldn't study. I'm saying we worship it. We worship our children. In India, the problem is we don't love our children. We idolize them. Therefore, nobody can correct them. We worship. We worship everything except God. Where did we build it? In the house of God. And in the new covenant, God says, you are my house. You are my house. Look at verse 5. He built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of God. Two courts. Every star gave it a name and built an altar for them. He also caused his sons to pass through the fire. What did he do? He burned his sons as burnt offerings. Isn't that what we did with our children? Isn't that what we do? 
We call it burning the midnight oil. Burning our children. He practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft, sorcery, consulted mediums and spirit. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Who is this? Hezekiah's son. Who is Hezekiah? Who destroyed idolatry. What the father was, not even one iota passed on to the son. So please understand that you could have incredible righteous model in your life and you take nothing from him. As soon as out of the picture, you turn everything upside down. And that's what children do. They're so nice in the presence of the parents. The minute the parent is out of sight, you see their true nature. That is why we have to be very, very careful. Very, very careful. Children are adults. Do we need supervision? I was telling my wife, does Jesus need supervision? Do you need supervision anymore? All adults, all know where they are going. All need to know what they have to do. Do you have, need to have a person watching over you, what you are doing? How long will you be watched over? Do we personally as believers need to be watched over anymore? Accountability partner. How old are you? 43. How are you married? Married. How many children do you have? Four. What are you struggling with? Born. Accountability partner. Idols in the heart. Idols in the heart. Let's come to the brass tacks as they say. These are real issues. Look to Jose. 8-11. Hosaya. For Telugu Baches. Hosaya. Because Ephraim has made altars for sin, they have become for him altars for sinning. <laughs> they have made altars for sin. They become altars for sin. That's what. They made altars for sin. What are altars for sin for? For sinning. What are bars for? Drinking. Right? What are gambling places for? Gambling. One of the reasons I stopped watching sports completely is that it may be the greatest game on earth, but they are playing for money. They are not play, playing for anything else. They are playing for money. Nobody is playing for their country anymore. To make their country proud and countrymen proud. Nobody is doing that anymore. Everybody is playing for money and we are the fools who pay for it. Tell me one sport which is honest. I mean, if you have honest sportsmen and all, why do they all have to go through the rigorous drug test enhancement to play, win? Every movie star out there is invoking demons so that he can act. And we pay through our nose, stand in the line to watch it. And say, what a great performance. You watched a demonic performance. This is nothing new. This was from ancient time onwards. Every invocation was first to the muse. Even before you could write a poem or do an act, they invoked the demons before they would do anything. And we like idiots who have the kingdom of God and the king inside pay to watch this demonic activity. And you get an Oscar for it. When you reach, where you will reach, you will only have scars, no Oscar. These are real things. Real, real things. But remember, God is a merciful God. That's what I said yesterday. The kindness of God, the patience of God. 
the same guy mr manasa turn to second chronicles 33 15 to 16 god judges him king of assyria takes him in in chains okay god restores him back and god restores him back do you know what he did he took away the foreign gods and the idols from the house of the lord all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the lord in jerusalem he cast them out of the city he also repaired the house of the altar of the lord sacrificed peace offerings and thank offerings on it and commanded judah to serve the lord god of israel who is this manasseh what did he do earlier he put altars of alim all in the house of god put his sons through fire and then god sent him into captivity they took him in chains and in the prison he cried out lord have mercy god is a merciful god you may honestly telling you know i would never do this if ever saw a man who put his children through fire for prosperity i will i will turn my face from them i will say okay forgiven but i don't want to see your face die in prison This is my God. This is my God. Yeah, this is my God. This is the kindness of God. This is why we love Him. That's why I said yesterday: consider the severity of God and the kindness of God. I mean, who would do like this? Who would do something like this? So you need to realize, like with Gideon, today is the day of decision. make a decision like all these great men did like gideon did hezekiah did josiah did okay when the word of the word of the the book of the law was read he listened to the book of the law and he looked around and said my god this is what is written and this is what we have done he told and he was a young boy young man how many years old when he did that 20 21 years 18 years 16 i think he ascended the throne think about it 8 years and at the age of 18 he hears the law of the lord and he sees the whole country is full of idols how did this happen he just tore his robes that's how revival begins you hear the word of god you don't let it go over your head today is the day of decision so fearful man yes but once god says you know what gideon this is how it begins go today break down that altar of baal in front of your house and take the second bull offer it as a sacrifice build a proper altar he was afraid so he took 10 of his old servants what go alone thing is that it's not that he is afraid he still went still went it's better to be obedient at night than to be a hypocrite by day that's original statement was obedient that is what changes and that's what god knows we are all fearful but how do you reconcile faith and fear how do you reconcile even though you are fearful you still obey and as you obey fear starts going because god starts proving yourself to you over and over and over again until there is no fear at all until there is no fear the same man who so fearful would stand and says the sword of the lord and the sword of gideon fear is gone completely there are steps so this morning when we come to pray 
Let's begin breaking down altars. Breaking down altars. We have so many altars. How do you know you have altars? Like I said, dead dogs don't bite. If you're offended, then anybody says something to you. A word of correction. There are altars. It's your flesh. It's your flesh. Your flesh was touched. Your name was touched. Your reputation was touched. Your self-image was touched. Your money was touched. Your power was touched. Your things were touched. Your children were touched. These are all idols. You know? That's what I said. Abraham's life began at an idol, at an altar at Shechem. What did he offer? Sheep. He ended up on an altar at Moriah. What did he offer? His son. son. And God was not ashamed to call him his friend. You know what? Miradost. Till today, Israel says, Abraham, friend of God, friend of God, where God has come down to inspection on earth and he says, can I go without telling what I am going to do to my friend Abraham? But you look at his life, he had altars and everything that was sacred in his life, which he held on to, he put on the altar and God became his friend. We say, friend, but you all the little ones, you know, one of the things which my wife does is that he will tell the children. Now they're all, all grown up. I want to know your friends. Why? Because what you don't share to your parents, you share with your friends. I want to know your friends. That is what it means. Jesus also says, I no longer call you servants. Who are servants? Go to this. Peter, John, go to that town. There's a man. Tell them the master needs this room. You go there. Take a young one of your call. Tell the master needs him. These are servants. Go this. Here, take this anointing. Go to this town. Preach the gospel. Heal the sick. This thing. At the end, he says, I no longer call you servants. You, I call you friends. Because everything that I know, the Father has told me, I've shared it with you. That is what his friendship is. And to come to that level where God is able to speak his heart to you. You need to have no altars or Baal in your life. That's why Judges 10 doesn't call it Baal. It calls Baalim. Plural. Israel finally recognizes we forsake you and we worshipped Baalim. It's not one. So many idols in our heart. And God is an idol breaker. And God is not a respecter of persons. That's why he says, Abraham, Alone I called, not his father. Because the word of God says in Joshua 24, his father was an idol worshiper. So God would not allow the son to enter into the promised land until his father died. Because the son refused to leave the idol worshiper. So he says, wait there until your father dies. And after his father dies, God says, you know what? And some of us, it's the same thing. You want to move it to the next level, you may have to leave somebody. I'm not talking husbands and wives, okay? You may have to at least break that ties in your heart. Break that ties in your heart. You may not have to physically leave. Break it in your heart before God can move you to the next level. Speak to you about what he needs to do with you. Yes, we've been praying for revival. We're praying for an awakening. But there are steps to it. We cannot continue in this cycle. Otherwise, we are no, no better than 
Like the Catholic we were before we got saved. What do you do? Go into the church, bow before every idol. There are so many idols. Saint this, saint this, saint this, saint this, bow. And then take the water from last last week's tap water, put it on this thing and walk away. And we call it idolatry. Which is it is, it's idolatry. But we have words idolatry. In Pentecostal churches. We need to deal with these idols before God can speak to us and move us. So I'll call my dear wife and all those who are watching. Please listen to her prayer. So please get it right. God's children do not follow money, do not follow name, we do not follow reputation, we do not follow career, we follow God. And if he adds all these things to us, we still keep following God. Hallelujah. So that we too can say like Job, the Lord giveth, the Lord take, take it. it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord. Whether he keeps it or he takes it off, we worship only God. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Who could bring Manasseh back? Who could forgive Manasseh? Restore him back the kingdom. There's no one truly like you, Lord. How can we go on sinning against you? Your mercy endures to a thousand generations of those who love you. Because his father loved him, you, you showed mercy and restored Manasseh. And I pray today, Father, we don't yes, Lord. belittle the mercy of God. No, we don't. Us. All of us are here only because yes. of your mercy. Yes. Yes. Even today, yes. somebody we knew passed away. Yes. There are yes. others struggling all around. Yes. Yes. And as you told to those people who said about those whom Pilate had killed, yes, he said, was it the judgment of God? He says, no. If you don't repent, he said, you will also die likewise. We are here alive, good, come through COVID, not because we are better. It is the mercy of God. Maybe if God were to expose our hearts, he would show us that we have more idols in our heart than the Hindu next door. He probably has only one idol in his house. Jesus. But we have more in Jesus, our hearts. Jesus. 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 That's Jesus, what God is saying. Jesus. It's only because of His mercy we Jesus, are not consumed. Jesus. Jesus. But there's a day that will come when earth will be rolled up. Jesus. Mercy will end. Jesus. Jesus. The hour of grace is over. Jesus. And judgment begins. Jesus. Because there are millions, billions of souls crying Jesus. out right under the altar of God. How long, Lord? How long? Jesus. The Lord has been telling for 2,000 years, a little more, a little more, a little more while until the full number has come in. For 2,000 years, He's been saying to them, a little more, a little while more. One day, time as we know, Jesus will end. Jesus. And eternity will begin. Jesus. The question is, when eternity Jesus. begins, 
Jesus. Where will we be? Jesus. What will we be? Jesus. For it is appointed unto every man to die. Then it is judgment. It is judgment. That he who judges himself. Bible says will not be judged by God. The word that he speaks to us every day so that we may judge ourselves so that on that day when we stand before God there is nothing for him to judge. He's not angry with us. He has not forsaken us. He's grieved. He's angry at our behavior. Not at us. loves and has loved us with an everlasting love that's what he even says about Ephraim can I forsake Ephraim can I forsake Israel will the bridegroom Christ forsake his bride for whom he died help us Lord to think on things that are about not on not on things that are below Jesus 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 not to be earthly minded Jesus not that our belly is our god Jesus our desires fuel us and not god help us lord help us